It's been really good to be on church camp with everyone. Uh, it'd be great if you don't already have Psalm 23 open, to have Psalm 23 open. And uh, is this someone's phone up here? Is this your phone? Yeah. recording. Oh, there you go. You can have that in the recording. Uh, good stuff. Okay, uh, there's an outline of my talk as well, you know, I don't know, somewhere around talk three in the book. I don't know what page number. But let's pray. Gracious Father, we thank you uh, that we can gather this morning. Uh, we long to hear the voice of Jesus, our good and great shepherd, uh, as we look at this psalm. Uh, and so, Father, please speak to us. Uh, please uh, have your, Jesus, your son, speak to us uh, by the power of your spirit. Amen. Well, I do wonder who you would say is your shepherd. Uh, maybe it's a little bit of a strange question. Uh, most of us live in the suburbs of Melbourne, if not the inner suburbs of Melbourne. And you probably don't feel much need of a shepherd in your day-to-day life. However, if you think about a shepherd as just being someone who you turn to for help or guidance or protection, maybe someone you turn to for sustenance and care, well, if you think about a shepherd as that, then there's a sense in which all of us have at least one shepherd or maybe multiple shepherds in our life. Who's your shepherd? Maybe it's your husband or wife, a best friend. Maybe it's your mum or dad. Maybe it's a boss or a mentor connected to your work. Maybe it's a favourite author. If you're having a hard day, you always turn to a particular poet or you want to read a bit of your favourite book. Maybe it's a particular celebrity or a social activist, a politician that you look up to, if that's possible. All right, who would you say is your shepherd? And does your shepherd deliver on what they promise you? Maybe they promise help or guidance, care, protection, sustenance. And so you turn to them, but do they deliver on that promise? Well, of course, they start in this way because in this most famous of Psalms. At the very start, what does David say? He says, the Lord is my shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. Shepherd. I think because these words are probably pretty familiar to most of us here, uh, even if you've not been around church a lot, this is a pretty well-known psalm, I think that we can kind of lose the gravity of what David's saying. The Lord is my shepherd. I maybe illustrate a little. Uh, if, uh, imagine uh, if throughout the course of this weekend, uh, I had walked around by your side every moment of every day to do whatever you needed. Now, you might have thought, okay, that's incredibly annoying and perhaps a little bit creepy. But, uh, but imagine, you know, like, I really need a coffee. No worries, I've got it. Not just one from, you know, the, the coffee machine, but I'll go down the street, I'll get you a coffee, I'll be back, right? Uh, I, really, I don't know the way to the beach, but I'd really like to go. I've got I know the way. I'll guide you right there. When do you want to do it? Now or later? Okay. Uh, or sitting out on the grass, I'll oh, watch out. You know, I can say Watch out for, you know, that frisbee or that ball if I see it. Uh, right, I can protect you from all the dangers of church camp. Uh, you know, like uh, I, if you need someone to just sit with you in the dining hall to listen to how you found, uh, you know, how you're finding life a struggle, I can do that. I'm right there every moment of every day to help you, to care for you, to guide you, to protect you. 
to shepherd you, in a sense, throughout the journey of church camp. Now, setting aside any creepiness that you might feel, uh, that could be pretty good, although I do have some significant limitations. Many of you have experienced my limitations as a shepherd outside of this hypothetical scenario, right? Uh, Imagine if you had someone who had greater resources at their disposal to shepherd you. Maybe the Premier, the Prime Minister, the President of the United States. They've got all sorts of resources to be able to help you and guide you and protect you. Uh, Well, imagine if you had the Lord as your shepherd. If you've got your Bible open, you can see the start of Psalm 24, verse 1, says the earth is the Lord's and everything in it. That's a lot of resources that he's got at his disposal to shepherd you. It's incredible, isn't it, when David says, the Lord is my shepherd. The Lord here is far greater than any of us can imagine. Remember this name, the Lord, that small caps Lord in your Bible, It's sometimes said Yahweh. It comes from Exodus chapter 3. You can read it later on. God reveals his personal name to Moses at the burning bush. He says, I am who I am. I am the Lord. It's God saying, I'm the eternally self-existent God, which might seem like a bit of kind of theological mumbo jumbo, but it's basically God saying, I don't get life from anyone or anything. I've got life in myself. The Lord is the maker of heaven and earth, the sustainer of heaven and earth. If you pause for a moment and tune into your own breathing, as Gabby suggested we should do, I don't know if you ever think that every breath you take is a gift from the Lord. He's sustaining your every breath. That's the Lord, the ruler over heaven and earth, the one who rules over the premier and the prime minister and Putin and President of the United States. He rules over everyone and everything. It's incredible, isn't it? David says, the Lord is my shepherd. The Lord is far greater than any of us can imagine. And he's far more good than any of us can imagine. Uh, If you've got your, whoops, sorry. If you've got your Bible open, you you want to flick back to Psalm 16. uh, Psalm 16 verse 2. David says, I say to the Lord, you are my Lord. Apart from you, I have no good thing. It's a pretty radical statement, isn't it? There's lots of really good things in the world. We've enjoyed lots of really good things this weekend. David's saying in comparison to the Lord, all of those things really just pale into insignificance. Not because those things aren't good, but because the Lord is so much better. To know the Lord is to know a depth of pleasure and joy and satisfaction that can't be found anywhere else in this world. It's incredible, isn't it? When David says, the Lord is my shepherd. And maybe it's even more incredible when we see how these words are fulfilled in Jesus You've heard this, Jesus say these words about himself, right? John chapter 10, verse 11, Jesus says, I am the good shepherd, the good shepherd who lays down his life for the sheep. Jesus is the Lord of Psalm 23 in human form. He's the good and great shepherd 
who cares for our needs all the way to his death on the cross. So what does it mean to have Jesus as our Lord and shepherd? David says, with the Lord as my shepherd, I lack nothing. How could you possibly lack anything if you have the good and great shepherd over all as your shepherd? The earth is his and everything in it. Now, I'm not saying like I, there's plenty of things that I want that I don't have. Plenty of things that I deeply long for and desire that I don't have. But I don't think there's anything that I need that I don't have. Because my Lord is great. He's able to give me anything that I need. And he's good. He knows what I need better than I know myself. Now, the Lord is my shepherd, David says, so I lack Nothing, And that's what he unpacks in the rest of the psalm. Really, that's like a heading. And the rest of the psalm is saying, these are the things that I don't lack. So first in verses 1 to 3, David says, With the Lord as my shepherd, I'll never lack rest or refreshment. If you see there, he says, The Lord makes me lie down in green pastures. Of course, lie down, it's not, you know, have to be a Bible scholar to know what that means. It's about resting, Right? Taking a load off and resting in green pastures. You know, this is the image of the shepherd with his sheep. He's guided his sheep to pastures where they can feed, where they can relax, where they can recharge. And what does this mean for us if Jesus is your Lord and shepherd? Oh, I think it means to lie down in the green pastures of his word because that's what feeds us. That's how Jesus feeds us, by his word. Uh, In particular, let's say his gracious words. What are some gracious words of Jesus? Maybe you want to look them up later on at the end of Matthew chapter 11. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Those are really gracious words, aren't they? I'm someone who, uh, uh, in the last 18 months, I've been seeing a, a psychologist a little bit. It's been a pretty rough time for all of us. And uh, my psychologist got me to do, I was saying in my discussion group yesterday, a kind of a schema test which identifies your kind of patterns of thinking that you get stuck in. And mine was unrelenting standards. That was my schema. Uh, What does that mean? It means that I always feel that I've got to reach another goal, tick another box, prove myself. That's my kind of default position apart from the work of God's grace. And so it's pretty amazing to hear Jesus doesn't say, come to me if you've proved proved yourself to me. Come to me if you've cleaned yourself up enough. Come to me if you've been successful enough in life or family or ministry. Come to me if you've been able to unburden yourself. Because I don't want to carry your burdens. Jesus says, just come to me with all your mess, with all your burdens, with all your tiredness, and I will give you rest. Jesus is far more gracious even than we are with ourselves. That's like lie down in that, rest in that, feed your soul on the gracious words of Jesus and on the gentle words of Jesus. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, I will give you rest for I am gentle and humble in heart. I'm sure many of us feel that there are certain uh, sins or behaviours or dysfunctions in our life Uh, that we're irritated about ourselves and other people are irritated about. And so if I go to Jesus, he's probably going to be harsh and irritated too. 
but he's not. He's gentle. If you go to Jesus humbly with your sin, your weakness, your mess, then he'll be gentle. He's gentle and humble in heart. He'll tend your wounds. He'll soothe your sorrows. He'll wipe away tears. He'll feed your soul. He'll call you to lie down in the green pastures of his gracious and gentle word. I wonder if that's what you need this weekend to refresh. Take some time to lie down in the gracious and gentle words of Jesus, your shepherd. Well, David continues, doesn't he? The Lord leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. It's hard to know exactly what these quiet waters might be in the Christian life. What is it that Jesus, our shepherd, is leading us towards that refreshes our soul? For me, as I think about this psalm, I think in particular about the great promises of the gospel. These are the promises that are like living water to my soul that often feels dry and parched. The promise of Jesus' forgiveness, of his love, the promise that Jesus always has a heart towards me of overwhelming grace and favour and blessing. He's eager to do good to me all the time. The promise of eternal life, the promise that I am, I am Jesus's and he is mine, not just today, but forever. I don't know, what is it that's like living water for your soul? What are the quiet waters that quench your spiritual thirsts? David says, with Jesus as my shepherd, I'll never lack rest or refreshment. And then in the second part of verse 3, he says, with uh, the Lord as my shepherd, I'll never lack guidance. You see there, he will. Uh, he guides me along the right paths for his name's sake. Now, it's pretty well known if you've heard uh, anyone talk from the Bible on anything to do with sheep and shepherds. You've probably heard someone say at some point that sheep are pretty dumb animals, right? They're, they're not the, the most intelligent animals are going around. Uh, they need a lot of guidance from their shepherds. And we laugh at that. But as I think about my life, I am also pretty dumb. I've made lots of foolish and stupid decisions. I need the guidance of Jesus, my shepherd. And I suspect that you're not that different. We all need the guidance of Jesus, our shepherd. And we need him to guide us in the right paths. That's paths that are pleasing to him. And not for our sake, notice that. It's not so that everyone can be impressed by us. It's for his name's sake. That the way that we live, the paths that we walk in, would bring praise to him. How does Jesus, our our shepherd, guide us? Well, he guides us through the clear words that he's spoken in the Bible. He guides us as we sit and reflect and meditate on those words and think, how do I apply this to my life? And he guides us through his people. Oh, we've got a, a way, too, uh, way too much individualistic understanding of guidance where we think, oh, if I've got to make a big decision in life, the way to do it is to get away in a cave with me and Jesus or something. I don't know, 
no, actually, I've been saved. Like, I've still made plenty of foolish decisions, but I've been saved from making as many silly decisions as I could have because of you guys, people in this church. He said, Aaron, you don't realise that if you do that, it'll lead to this. I'm like, no, I didn't realise that. That's how Jesus guides us, through one another. They don't come to you, yeah, but anyway, embrace the wisdom and insight that Jesus, our Lord and shepherd, has entrusted to his people. And with Jesus as your shepherd, you'll never lack guidance. I need to move more quickly. Third, uh, in verse 4, uh, David says, with Jesus as your shepherd, or the Lord as your shepherd, uh, you'll never lack protection. Uh, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Again, there's a bit of cultural context here. Uh, at the end of every winter, uh, the shepherd would guide his sheep from the lower-lying areas. Uh, they go through the kind of dark and shadowy valleys up to the higher areas where they would spend the summer. That's where the pastures were. Uh, and that journey through the dark and shadowy valleys was literally really dangerous for the sheep. Literally, there were dark areas that wild animals could jump out of and attack the flock. Uh, there was a risk of, of big storms coming down from the surrounding mountains. Uh, and when those storms came, they would often flood the dry riverbeds down in the valley. It was a really dangerous journey for the sheep. Uh, apart from the protection, the comfort uh, of the rod and staff of their shepherd, they would die. Uh, and likewise, what's the parallel for us? Well, it's that sometimes... We feel that we're in a dark and shadowy valley in life, don't we? I've certainly felt that. Times where you feel, or where I feel, really anxious and afraid and vulnerable. And perhaps even like there's threats on every side, anticipating the, the next thing that's going to come around the corner, the next curveball, the next attack. You think, am I actually going to get through this valley? Or we get through because of our Lord, who is our shepherd, the one who rules over heaven and earth. There is no evil that could possibly combat his rod or his staff. He's there by our side and we have the assurance that he'll guide us through the dark and shadowy valleys of life to be with him forever. But with Jesus as your shepherd, you'll never, ever lack protection. A fifth, with Jesus as your shepherd, uh, you'll never ever, or fourth rather, you'll never lack friendship. I take it, David says, you prepare a table for me. Oh, so Jesus isn't just a kind of powerful, protective shepherd with his staff. You know, he's a warm and welcoming friend who's always got a spot at his table for you. He's got the kettle on. There's a spot, there's a chair with a cushion on it that's prepared for you. A place for you to meet with him and speak with him and be really encouraged and strengthened and renewed in your relationship with him. And notice that this table is prepared even in the presence of your enemies, which is to say even when you feel like you're being attacked from every side, Jesus has a spot for you. He doesn't ditch you in those moments. He doesn't expect you to sort out your life yourself and then come back to him. 
In the moments of greatest hardship, he has a spot at his table for you and he will welcome you with great generosity and and costliness. You you see that there? Uh, He will anoint your head with oil, which is to say Jesus isn't one of those uh, hosts who scrimps and scrapes and does the bare minimum. He says nothing is too much for you. It's the picture of the overwhelming blessing to anoint someone's head with oil. The cup overflows, David says. Again, a picture of the Lord's abundant grace. You know, I've got areas of sin in my life that I think, man, I should have dealt with that. I should have dealt with that decades ago. And when I come to confess that to Jesus, my Lord, I am sometimes tempted to think, I think Jesus' grace for this particular sin has probably run dry. I don't know if you ever think that about an area of sin in your life. Uh, But the Lord's grace, if you come to him humbly seeking forgiveness, his grace overflows. That's the picture here. His blessing overflows. It doesn't run dry. It's not limited. David's so convinced of this. Notice he says uh, that surely... Uh, Your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life. It's a wonderful picture. David might spend parts of his life running away from the Lord, uh, but the goodness and love of the Lord is running after him, following him, chasing him, pursuing him. Uh, And this is the wonderful truth of the gospel for us, isn't it? Isaiah 53 says, We all like sheep have gone astray. We've all run away from God in different ways in our sin. But God, the goodness and love of the Lord pursues us, follows us, chases after us all the way to Jesus' death on the cross. That's how committed the Lord was to pursuing you in your sin, to pursuing me in my sin. So that we who were once hostile to him and running away from him might not just be kind of forgiven and washed clean, but welcomed to his table and seated as one of his friends, enjoying sweet times of fun and fellowship with him. That's what Jesus says in John chapter 15, a verse that's kind of famous around Anzac Day, which we've just been passed. Greater love has no one than this and that he would lay down his life for his friends. This is Jesus, our Lord. He thinks of you as a friend, and he's got a spot at his table prepared for you. So what does that mean? It means that if Jesus is your shepherd, uh, which he is of me, uh, then it doesn't mean that I've never experienced loneliness or a sense of isolation or disconnection, feeling on my own. I experience those things regularly. In fact, it's really hard, to be honest, to think about what does it mean to be a shepherd of a church and a sheep at the same time? Often that means you feel a bit isolated and lonely. But in the midst of that, I've always got a friend in Jesus, as the song says. That's a bit cliched, isn't it? But it's true. I'm so conscious and so thankful that Jesus has a spot at his table for me. I can come to him, meet with him and speak with him. 
And finally, with the Lord as your shepherd, you will never lack a home. Notice David's finishes, I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Uh, Pete said yesterday that church community uh, should give us a taste of being at home. Uh, And that's true, but it's just a taste, isn't it? We never truly feel at home because even the best church communities are still full of, you know, sinful, broken people and we hurt one another. Uh, And so we're looking forward to our ultimate home where all of us have been made new, where sickness has been done away with, where we can be at home with our Lord forever. Uh, And that's what David looks forward to here. And what a joy to have Jesus as your Lord and shepherd. I wonder in which ways you need to connect with Jesus as your Lord and shepherd this weekend. Maybe you need to connect with him for the first time. I'm not sure where anyone, everyone hears that. Or maybe you just need to reconnect with him and to reflect on these blessings that you do not lack, for he is your shepherd, and to allow him to refresh your soul. Uh, let me pray. Gracious Heavenly Father, uh, we thank you for Psalm 23. Uh, for many of us, these are very familiar words, but I pray that uh, by, the, by the power of your spirit, they might have come alive in new and fresh ways as we've looked at them this morning. Uh, please draw us close to Jesus, your son, our good and great shepherd. In his name we pray. Amen.